I sure was surprised the day Lisa Flanagan asked me for a ride home and ended up blowing me. I've wanted this for so long. I mean, life is so weird. First, Lisa has a big fight with my sister, and the next thing you know, she's my girlfriend. Since Lisa knew all about public relations and stuff, she offered to help me with my campaign. We made a great team. It seemed so natural, the two of us together. It was like a miracle. My leg wasn't bugging me too much, and the weather was so nice. And every day after school, Lisa and I would go to her house to fuck and have a hot tub. way they wanted it, then that's the way it was going to be. But I wasn't going down without a fight. Tammy? Tammy, what are you doing? You're the advisor. You should stop her. She's not qualified. She's just a sophomore. Did All you right, know that? Calm down, Tracy. Just calm down. We can't both run, can we? I mean, we're brother and sister. Can we? It's a conflict of interest, and Paul was first. Anybody who gets signatures in on time can run, and she got in just under the wire. These are a bunch of burnouts. And what's this one? It's illegible. I can't even read that. That's Tim Kobza. She's doing this to get back at me. For what? I mean, at you. For what? Tim Kobza? Tim Kobza, who's he? I've never even heard of him. My name is Michael Govier. I'm one of your hosts. There's two other men that join me every week. I'm here. He's here. And so is him. He? Hi. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, that, it's that guy. That guy. Hey, it's Travis Roy. He's live from a undisclosed location in the state of Michigan. I'm in Brighton, Michigan. I oh. I'm to say it. It's not a secret. I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm living with my father. It's happening. I can tell the world. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. It's COVID. Everything, everything it's a free-for-all. Well, that's damn true. It's COVID. 
things things happened. Things things didn't fall into place. Things went unexpectedly. I what? Feel, I feel no shame. I thought life was perfectly planned out. Well, hey, good to have you aboard as always. Welcome in from the locale, Brighton, Michigan. Uh, what do you got there? You got a tasty beverage? You know, I have a Michigan brewer here, but I, it's not very good, so I'm not going to plug it. So I'm going to pretend that I'm drinking the beer that I had before this, which was a Saugatuck Brewery uh, Blonde Ale, which was fantastic. Oh, Saugatuck. Lovely city. I like Saugatuck a lot. It's a good place in Michigan. If you're ever in Michigan and you're not from the area, check out Saugatuck. Uh, Eric Branscombe, live from Griffith, Griffith, Indiana. What's cooking, buddy? I'm so worried to be with you gentlemen tonight, but uh, I'm looking forward to... <laughs> Talking about uh, elections, special effects, and the 20 movies I watched over the weekend. Yeah, man, me and you grinded out a bunch of films, and Travis actually watched very, very less films. So the world is changing, but <laughs> we still love movies, and this is the Cinema Night Podcast. We're here to talk election. That'll be the focus of our middle section of our show. Does it hold up? 1999's Alexander Payne. A lot to say about this movie. It's a... It's a fun watch, I thought, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. Uh, of course, you can hit us up on Cinema9Pod at ProtonMail.com, Cinema9Pod on Instagram. We're always there. You can check out our movie reviews and uh, just commentaries on films that sometimes these guys watch. Um, we like film. We have. Yeah. We always will, right? It's a good yeah. time. We post pictures about movies there. That's right. We sure do. So we're going to talk about election. And, of course, we'll give you our quarantine viewing picks at the end of the show. But first, we'd like to open the show with a fun segment, something we come up with every week. We think really hard about it for like 20 minutes every week. <laughs> and this week, we've come up with special effects film. What are the best special effects you've ever seen in film? Your favorite special effects movie, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's kind of open to interpretation. Special effects can go a lot of different ways these days. I mean, CGI is king. Um, but, you know. There's other periods of time before CGI. Practical effects are welcome, I suppose. I suppose is that in play here, guys? My friend, I don't have a single CGI centric uh, choice here. All my choices are practical effects. Wow, interesting. Okay, well, hey, Travis, why don't you get us started then? Well, I I also wish that my choices were a little bit more original, um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, because one of them, I you know, I think we've talked about in the show before. We'll talk about again. Uh, probably the best horror movie of all time, certainly up there. I'm talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. A uh, guy named Rob Botten, who was basically oh his first his first go round. Uh, he had some help um, from some some big time names, but it was really his first go around doing this kind of thing. And and the the masterful, memorable, influential work that he did, man, like that movie is uh, it it traumatized me in the best possible way. <laughs> Oh, that is an interesting statement. Traumatized me in the best possible way. All right. Uh, I've not heard of him. Eric Brasham, I know you got something good for us. Well, I'm my, my list is like a chronological list. So I started with the film that kind of shaped me in terms of special effects and it had a huge impact me growing up until about the early 90s. So uh, that choice is Return of the Jedi for a Few specific, a few specific reasons, mainly the puppetry by the legendary Phil Tippett. Uh, like the Rancor puppetry. and Jabba have always been like two of my favorite like creatures in the history of film. Until this day, I will sit there and just marvel at it. I don't question how it was done. I know they're puppets, 
but there's personality to both of them that just still sticks with me to this day. So that's my first pick of three. It's a good choice, man. And, and honestly, we've talked so little about Star Wars. It's nice to get him on the show a little bit. No. Uh, oh, that's Star Trek. Uh, puppetry. Puppetry. Um, puppetry. I don't think we use puppetry like we used to. It seems like a lost art. It really does. And I hope that a Jim Henson-inspired human being comes along soon and kind of reinvigorates the uh, genre, if you will. But for well, me... His, his son's doing good work with Dark Crystal Show and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I guess I'm I'm to blame on that. Yeah. That's my fault. That's for, see if it's out there and I'm not consuming it, so I will take responsibility. Consume. <laughs> You're a failure of a consumer of entertainment. I know. Culture. What am I doing? Oh my god, what am I doing? Uh I guess I got to go with the uh the gate. I know it's a stupid ass 80s really? movie, but the gate scared the shit out of me and I really was like petrified by the monsters and all the costumes and it's not the most mind-blowing special effects you'll ever see, but if a movie makes an impression on you, I don't care what age I was. If it made an impact on me, I want it to be, you know, given its rightful place in my history is uh, well done. It's uh, not the greatest scary movie of all time. It's got a young uh, Stephen Dorff, as I recall. Oh, yeah. And it's a stupid-ass movie. It's The Gate. It's about, basically about these people who are at home and they've unleashed this gate to hell or, you know, a dimension of demons and dumb scary monsters are in the closets and downstairs and it's just stupid 80s kids running around in their 80s clothes and with monsters that are scary and scary enough that i give the special effects or practical makeup and costumes a thumbs up i'm just fucking thrilled that for the first time ever you're talking about a horror movie on this show in a positive way i'm thrilled <laughs> So oh, well, the, the gate actually premiered at Brighton Cinema in Brighton, Michigan. <laughs> That's right. No way. Way. It's a, this is a fun fact. This is it this was, was the it was the closest theater to Hell, Michigan, that they could find, and they wanted it to be like kitschy that it like was going to premiere in Hell, but there's no fucking theater in Hell or Hamburg or Pinckney or Whitmore Lake, so they had to show it at Brighton Cinema. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, true story. Wow, I, I'm so glad I brought that up. I would, that is a fun piece of trivia. Thank you, Eric. Wow. Uh, oh, uh, Travis, what else do you got? Um, again, ten. again, like my my favorite choices here. Are, um, they're they're considered like favorites of all time for a good reason. I, I got to go with Blade Runner, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Um, the special effects were supposedly done, uh, not supposedly, but they were done by this entertainment effects group. Sometimes they're called like the boss, the boss group, Doug Trumbull and Richard Urich, something like that. Um, but of course, like the reality is that there's so many other, there's so many other people involved. Like it's hard to like nail, like I, like I was mentioning, I called out Rob Botten before, but um, you know, like the great man myth of history. It take, it, that's not really the way it goes. There's an entire crew behind these things and like the in particular the matte paintings in uh in blade runner to me are so memorable like the way it just creates like decades before anyone's creating a realistic immersive science fiction world that movie came out and uh and really changed the game set the set the bar and it still looks gorgeous now that now the new one of course probably technically has better special effects but uh, uh -oh. again for for oh, for being for for the 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 craftsmanship right like I mean, i'm not saying it doesn't take a lot of work to do cgi because i know that it does but still like it, part of me like the analog part of me like really respects the uh, the painting and all that shit the very 
physical labor that's put into it. Well, I respect so beautiful. That. I mean, when it comes to world building and just creating a world that you won't see in any other film, it's Blade Runner in the top three easily. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, those are high praise from guys who know their shit. Eric, <laughs> what else you got? Well, I mean, in 1991, I was just starting to get into not just like the imaginative aspects of filmmaking, but, you know, filmmaking itself as a craft and as an art. So when uh, Terminator 2 came along and then the liquid metal T-1000 came along, no one had seen really anything like that, maybe with The Abyss and what James Cameron was doing with that. But this is a fully realized CG character that absolutely looks still good 30 years later. I mean, it probably even looks better than some of the stuff in the new Terminator sequels. It got me into computer graphics in a way that sent me to school. I went to college for a year to study computer graphics. I wanted to be like working at like Lucasfilm, but like I realized I don't like fucking drawing on computers and that's like what they had me doing for a year. But that was a game changer in terms of, you know, the idea that anything your imagination can conjure up can be realized on film. I just think it's so beautiful to this day. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's obvious. That's, not obvious, but it's it's a classic. It really is. It holds up to this day. It's legitimate. It blew people's minds, and it deserves credit for that. So I got no beef with that. Well, Spake. Thank you, Sai. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a this is a difficult one because I mean, I I, I could have gone like T two because it really did blow my mind. I was like, whoa! But I really was trying to just keep it to my my own personal choices, and, and oddly enough, I guess I don't know why, but um i'm going back to the well all right of uh you know i thought that you don't see a ton there's a lot of like what's happening beyond what's in front of you but uh the thing 1982's john carpenter we yeah. talked about the thing on the show before or, like uh, you mean like just now when i talked about the thing on the show <laughs> yeah uh, it was on my list i mean I can't, what am i supposed to do Oh, chime in with me. Let's just talk about it together. Yeah, but I don't want to steal it from you. Oh, you know? no, it's ours. It's Go ahead. No. All right. It's I'm, already again, been I'm said. I'm thrilled that but, you're talking about a horror movie. Continue. But again, yeah, the thing was on my list, but I'm going to curveball it to you. Uh, I'm actually going to... I really... I, maybe this is just really white of me to say. I don't even know, but like... Uh, I really think that The Wizard of Oz looks amazing all these years later. And it's yeah. not like it, it's got rock. colors that are rich uh, and the paint again, like matte paintings that are real amazingly beautiful. They, they still look good today. I, I watched it a couple years ago and I'm like, you know what? It's always like 80 years old and it looks, yeah, it looks like a movie <laughs> still. It's not like some total piece of trash garbage. Um, and these people put themselves through hell in particular, like the, the you know, the, the cowardly lion and the scarecrow and the, and the, yeah. Tin Man couldn't sit down all day. The lion was sweaty and itchy, and it was constant. All of them were just like in literal hell. And in fact, the Tin Man, who the guy who played the Tin Man, was the second person who played the Tin Man because the first guy had like a horrible allergic reaction and like yeah, all the all the metal and stuff. They had to like change the paint and shit. Like yeah, um, right. It was a rough go around, and, and and you know, it's you're right, man. It still looks gorgeous. All the little people were like yeah. abused and exploited. It's terrible stories about all that. And, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot incredible. of. I mean, old Hollywood's filled with god awful stories, so it's just natural. But if you put all that aside, if you put all <laughs> you put all the human misery aside, uh, what a it really just 
it looks fantastic and it still does and uh you watch it in blu-ray or 4k now and you're like man it's, they, somebody they did some great work on that and i don't always go back in time like that but you know i, I decided to for this just i said why not fuck it so i think it really says something that that was like I don't know, like the sixth or sixteenth or something movie version. It was like a lot. There was literally a lot of movie versions that existed before that one, you know, eighty years ago, and no one's tried to recreate it since because it was such a standard. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, anything else, Travis? Yeah, my number one. I got to get up to 2016's The Void, um, an- another horror movie. Wow. But um, I. I, I know that there's probably movies, you know, Cloud Atlas, frankly, for, I mean, I love a big Cloud Atlas fan with Wachowski sisters. Uh, <laughs> I like that. You Grant the cannibal. Me. I love him as a cannibal, <laughs> man. I fucking love you, Grant, in that movie. I'm sorry. Uh, except for yellow face, of course, you know what that's, well, you know, it's fucking, it's a, it's a weird movie. Anyways, yeah. that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the void, which is uh, a little bit derivative of some carpenter stuff. Um, but that's okay. It is a lovely Canadian film, and it has a really nice look to it with, I believe, zero CGI. Um, oh, and if I and I just thought of just now, I'm also going to toss in Mandy. Fucking, I love Mandy. Oh. <laughs> oh, All right, yeah. that's it. Very, um, uh, very powerful film. I'll say that. I love, I love Mandy. It's, it's a powerful film indeed. Oh, Mandy, oh, you can't. Eric, what do you got, man? What's what's it gonna be? Well, I mean, these are in chronological order, so I'm not gonna say this is the best. But the last time I was actually blown away by a special effect, it's been 18 years. It was 2002. I'm sitting in the theater in December, mm-hmm. and I just goosebumps start just crawling over my entire body, and I realize in my heart and in my soul that I'm literally watching magic take place in front of me and it's when uh Gollum first shows up in the two towers and he has that conversation with himself i mean we've had great performances in in like from cartoon characters and 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 the like but we never have a had a completely realized computer generated character not just that looks cool like the two in thousand but give a fucking performance that could be handed an oscar and the semblance of these two things when it comes to what Andy Serkis did for motion capture technology, man absolutely deserves an honorary Oscar, uh, was was just unbelievable. I mean, from then on, literally anything was possible when it came to, uh, you know, what an actor could bring to to something that's, that's fantastical. Uh, mm-hmm. It still looks fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's up there easily. Top three of all time. Yeah, I think that's wow. a great call, man. It really changed the game. Wow, I don't have any beef with that at all. I don't even love yeah. those movies, but it was amazing, it's, and it's like taken for granted now. Right, I and mean, we wouldn't have gotten the uh, like the Planet of the Apes, War, War of the Planet of the Apes, and all those kind of movies. Uh, oh, imagine if we hadn't had those. Had that not had also really stunning. You talk about Tim hey, Roth, two thousand one, right? Some really <laughs> great special effects, man. Oh, two thousand one, Tim no, Roth. <laughs> No, I'll lead a bottom partner. Tim Burton movie. Let's put the, <laughs> put the blame where it lies. That's a Tim Burton movie. That was probably yeah. his first real fuck up. When it's like, oh, this guy can do wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's very accurate. Um, that was the beginning of the end. Uh, oh, my number one's obvious. It's Forrest Gump. I mean, that changed history, oh, right? Shit. 
Just kidding. It's not Forrest Gump. Although they oh. tried to play it off like it was amazing. Like, oh, oh well, look at this. But it hasn't really held up, in my opinion. And, <laughs> oh, boy, cancel. Cancel a cancel special go. needs human being. I, I feel like I can't cancel a special needs. Um, that's not fair. But <laughs> I do think uh, my number one's probably, and this goes back to yeah, being a youngster. And, you know, it's been killed to death since they did it. But oh, when boy. Roger Rabbit came out, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was like, oh, cartoons yep. and human beings are on screen <laughs> together. And um, it became a staple after that. You saw it even in commercials by then. And it's old news, yeah. but. Back then, but, it's really exciting. But it's funny because it, I mean, like it was a it was a staple in Disney films and stuff, and like Disney specials, like the kind of stuff being done as far back as the fifties, and everyone just kind of went, "We forgot about that," or "That's compartmentalized over there." And then, <laughs> and then Roger Rabbit came out, came out, and we're like, and everyone, I remember even as a nine year old, it's like, "This is groundbreaking." Like, <laughs> this has been going on for decades. Yeah, you, yeah. You look at Mary Poppins, and it, it actually looks. I fucking hate Mary Poppins, but it looks really good in that when Dick Van Dyke. And and all that that actually looks really good but yeah they just stayed away from that for a while I think it looks better in roger rabbit I'll, I'll say that you're right both of you guys are right but i still think they did it better they oh, put yeah. a lot of time into it robert zemeckis that was like the big follow-up project after working on back to the futures and uh, it's funny roger's well, a I funny mean, guy you really can't talk about special effects without talking about robert zemeckis especially in the late 20th century because every time that dude came out with a movie he was so aligned with uh state-of-the-art digital technology and he was just bringing so many new innovative things to the material uh, to the table every time he made a film yeah cameron's too polar express isn't that a movie beowulf yeah, Beowulf, that's one of them. Yeah, he did a bunch of stuff that I never watched. But you're right. He's always on the cutting edge. Congratulations, Robert Zemeckis. You're always on the cutting edge. You're the best. You know Stan Winston, though. So, yeah. I like All contact. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there we go. That's our choices. And uh, do you agree or disagree? As always, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You probably have some much better choices than we had. These are personal opinions. So they're not, you know, law. They're not official, okay? They don't represent everybody. We just try to be ourselves on this show. Hit us up at CinemaNinePod at ProtonMail.com. CinemaNinePod on Instagram. Send us a DM. Send us your personal favorite special effects film of all time. The most controversial, the most unique, the most mind-blowing, the one that made you cry tears of joy. Yeah, we'd love to hear about these stories. These are positive stories. All right, well, let's cut and the shit. If I may add... Oh. I got to add one tiny thing, all right? Yes. Rob Bottin, 21, when he did the special effects for the thing. 21. Is it wow. Bottin, not Botton? I think <laughs> it's Bottin. Retired. I think he's like a real estate agent now. Can you believe that? Let's argue about wow. Botton versus Bottin. That's I'd true. do that. <laughs> you think Bottin <laughs> ever had Botten. a... You think uh, Bottin ever had a face like this behind me? Bottin's Botox. For those yeah. who can't see it, this is Chris Klein getting a blowjob that he's referring to. That's right. It's time to talk 1999's election. I am so excited. You know, I've never felt more vindicated in my movie choice when I watched it and when I thought about it ever since. I feel really good about this movie from all aspects in terms of making a selection. I, I have no regrets whatsoever. I was at the end of my count when it happened. I'd come up with exactly the same numbers as Larry. 256 to 257. Tracy had won the election by a single vote. I was about to announce my tally when...
The sight of Tracy at that moment affected me in a way I can't fully explain. Part of it was that she was spying, but mostly it was her face. Who knew how high she would climb in life? How many people would suffer because of her? I had to stop her. Now. hilarious it's so sardonic it's got so much going on uh i i, I want to dive right into it you know 1999 alexander payne reese witherspoon chris klein matthew broderick uh this is a fun film in a lot of different varieties let's start with the usual travis do you recall when you first saw this do you have any memories of this uh, let's go back to 99 <coughs> pardon me well you know um... don't get emotional take your time <laughs> no i uh <laughs> Like a lot of movies that we've talked about, like my main memory is like, well, I was working at Blockbuster Video. Uh-huh. Um, I missed it in theaters, but I took it home on VHS, and uh, and it was one that I instantly knew, like this is this is uh, like an important movie. Like this is like I was like this is going to be one of the ones that people remember and talk about from this era. And I remember being kind of like surprised that it did. I mean, it it won like a bunch of awards. It won like I think an Independent Spirit Award. Uh, I think Reese Witherspoon was nominated for or won a golden globe like it it did pretty well but didn't do very well during the academy awards i, I believe uh alexander payne won best and the other guy whose name i should have looked up Jim, the other james, guy james let's just call him james um they won a best <laughs> uh they, they won best adapted screenplay and well deserved but like uh there's there's some oscar worthy performances in here i think there's uh there's some uh there's a uh the direction is also pretty outstanding the script is really really good though it is yeah. and that you know that goes to uh what's his face's book uh tom oh right yeah see uh, we could probably break out like the imdb like responsible <laughs> tom parada tom name out here oh, come yeah, on yeah, <laughs> yeah to- tom parada novel yeah. he's yeah. also written uh and uh, jim taylor I, I almost said that too jim taylor was a co-writer of the screenplay yeah jim taylor's been uh uh, Alexander Payne's Alexander Payne's like writing partner in a lot of his yeah. movies, so he they work together a lot. But uh, Tom Parada wrote the novel. He's written other novels like Little Children, which was uh, a really good movie with uh, what's her yeah. face, Kate Winslet. Um, yes, Kate Winslet. Thank you. So he's got a he's got a track record for writing all kinds of different types of books. But what about you, Eric? Election? What do you recall about it? You remember the first time you saw it? Dude, the first time I saw Election was a couple of months ago. Uh, I, wow. I never saw it in the late 90s. Yeah, I thought you guys knew that. But yeah, I always missed it for a couple of different reasons. I was never a Reese Witherspoon fan. Oh, the poster boy. fucked me all this time because the poster was just Reese Witherspoon's face with Matthew Broderick's like head like in her mouth. And like, <laughs> I never really cared for Matthew Broderick either. I just always thought he was like this like adequate actor. So I just, it was a hard pass every time. I was like, it's a hard pass. I don't really care. So I first saw it a couple of months ago and I enjoyed it, 
but I'm really glad you picked this because I got to take a, a, a another look at it without, you know, some you know with 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 you know fresher eyes. And I set the notepad aside this time. Hmm. And yeah, I was uh, I, I'm really happy to talk about it. I'll say that. All right. Well, you know, uh, her pussy gets so wet, so you will be oh, very surprised. Oh, <laughs> in film history, is his that that's that cut and that yeah. that close up of his face saying that is literally one of the most disturbing things I could, and not even the most disturbing thing I in the same guy says. Um, let, let's, uh, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's intense, but yeah, carry on. Sorry, it's jarring. I. I was Mark, talking Mark about Herlick. That's a that's that that name. Oh my god, Mark this guy Herlick. really fucking sells these disgusting uh lines that he was given. Yes, Mark Herlick plays a teacher who uh becomes very passionately involved with Reese Witherspoon's character, who's Tracy Flick, which is a great character name, by the way. Tracy Flick, it's so perfect for her. She's a uh overachiever, if you will, someone who's really trying to get the most out of life. She's not a rich girl and she feels like she's slighted. It's very interesting. We'll talk more about her. But election, I remember it well. I I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it on DVD as soon as it came out. And I was like, what the fuck is I fell in love with it immediately. It was like right up my alley. I was like funny. <laughs> and I also a huge Reese Witherspoon fan. I always have been. So oh wow. Always. Yeah. I mean I, really? I fell in love with Oh, yes. Uh, Reese Witherspoon's my uh, I guess she's my Winona Ryder, if you will. Um, she was when she was in Freeway back in 96. I saw that on <laughs> HBO HBO movie. It was originally an HBO film. And, yeah. and I've watched that and I was like, who the hell is this? And it was I was young. I mean, I was I'm her age. I grew up. We grew up together. So yeah. the fact that I wanted to make love to her was relevant because I was her age. So that's legal, by the way. I'll make sure everyone understands that's normal. I'm a regular guy. And now me Thanks and Reese Witherspoon. explaining movie, that. <laughs> I am. I mean, we grew up. Me and Reese. We're like. Does it sound like a stalker? I'm not a stalker. But it's always uh, good when the host stops and says, "I'm a normal guy." Do I sound like a stalker? <laughs> <laughs> Take a picture of yourself thinking of me as a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> Just get him an iPod. I, I agree. Stalker meter. Give him like a nine. That face. Uh, hey, Reese Witherspoon. She was great in this, and I also <laughs> respected her acting talents all the way. She's so sharp she's fast and uh she's got that voice it's very unique and she really topped it all off when she won the academy award for june carter cash in 05 and i thought that was well deserved but <laughs> this movie came out I'd, i watched it over and over again i remember me and uh steve guile were huge fans of this film we used to make a lot of jokes about this movie and uh, even travis uh you know when you came back and you know you were gone for a while and we we connected on this movie a bit too although i know <laughs> i've I just think this might be my favorite movie of hers, and that's saying a lot because I like a lot of Reese Witherspoon films. But I digress; I'm off track. So let's talk about the film itself. It got a, it's got a solid rating on IMDb. Anybody want to throw out a guess? It's rock solid. It should be great. Is it? Look, is it legendary? I looked too recently. I know. I I'm gonna take a pass. Seven point spoilers. 2, right? Yeah, that's right. Seven point two. That's just. I think that's bogus. I think this movie's way better than the game. You guys are idiots out there. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It is way better, better than the game. Fuck Thank the you. Game. Yeah. <laughs> fuck the game. Don't let the game fuck you, though. That's a good point. <laughs> don't forget that. Uh, election gets a ninety-two percent. Ninety-two from the okay. critics. Critics love this movie. Very. They fall in yeah, love with it. They love this is right up a critic's alley, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. The audience 79, so it's good. It's a really solid score, but it's not a you know, it's not like 80s, it's not 90s. So I guess I'm the surprised. audience has 
but that matches the 7.2 in IDB. So there's obviously something about this, and we'll talk about that. There's something about this with the audience. We're like, well, you know, maybe this isn't the movie for me. But as far as our critics, as always, we go back in time and we take a look at our critics and see what they had Where to say he? about this Come movie. On. Find him. Uh, I'm looking for <laughs> find him. I'm, find him. I'm always gonna, looking for Justin find, Thompson. He's we're gonna find out he's like 17, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been missing from the last couple of movies. Like for some reason he's not been checking in on these older films. I had I a hard time finding any negative reviews just because I was so goddamn curious. So I'm I'm excited to hear what you oh, say. Oh, here Mike. he is. Here he is. All right. Here he is. Back in the day, too. Uh, Destin Thompson, the Washington Post, says, the satire of the season, a hilarious razor-sharp indictment of the American dream. Five out of five stars. As always, he's, well, I think as often, anyway, he's dead on. Yeah, that's uh, good. Oh, Wesley good. Morris. Uh, I love Wesley Morris, by the way. He's a good critic. <laughs> One of elections, many beauties, is the graininess that gives the classrooms and corridors the homemade quality. Yes. Yes, yes. No, it, there's no one's shot a high school like this before or since. So, not to go on a tangent. No, that's that's interesting. Uh, go ahead, say more about that real quick. Did, uh, do you guys know who the director of photography was on this one? Is it his usual one? Ah, uh, well, as always, we're here to help. And his director, James Glennon, um, who I love James Glennon. Like, I, I, you know, um, doesn't look like, yeah, yeah, he did about Schmidt with him. He did about Schmidt yeah. with him. Um, and he did election and that looks like about it. A lot like, of TV, in, a lot of HBO TV. Yeah. Actually some not so impressive stuff. Best men. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, some, some not oh. the runner with, uh, um, fucking Ron Eldard. Like no, that was made for HBO. Um, oh. yeah, really? I think that uh, it must have been a really shining moment in his career, and he was a good team up with uh, with Payne because I agree, like it looks fantastic. Yeah. Oh, he did do. Oh, this is a movie I think you like, United States of Leland. Oh, that is a good movie. Oh, that is a great movie. He did that I, one. I've think. considered that for the show, actually. That, that, that would be a good one. one. That could be I a lot you might. Yeah, that is a good one. So yeah, uh, no, I agree with you, Eric. Yeah, this movie. It's so. It feels like being almost in my our own high school yes. in the late nineties. It's weird. Yeah. Well. It's, Alexander Payne, we're going to talk a shitload about him, but he he does this like his his shots, like his his cinematography. It's it's like drab, but it's so purposeful, whereas like the the Coens will do a similar thing where they flirt with like the mundanity and like the, uh, um, you know, personal crises of these people in like suburbia or the Midwest. But they do it in this grandiose operatic Sergio Leone type way. Yeah. Alexander Payne always shoots these like. He might as well be filming like a fucking cardboard box because he knows that it's the characters and his absolutely beautiful writing that's really going to sell everything. But it's still so interesting. The dichotomy is so weird. You know an Alexander Payne film from a mile away. But at the same time, like this movie looks so and feels so distinct. And it would have been really easy to kind of turn this into a cookie cutter thing that you can like continue variations on this theme, kind of like Wes Anderson does. Oh, Alexander, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexander Payne has not done that. Like, this is a unique I, movie in his career. Just like Sideways is a pretty unique movie. Nebraska is a really unique movie in his career. Like, like he, like he's a really competent and mature filmmaker that I'm not sure I properly appreciate. I mean, I, I definitely like this movie and Sideways have always stuck out to me more. I'm like, after watching this this time, I'm like, I gotta dig a little deeper in and uh, see what oh, else yeah. he's done that I that I haven't seen recently or haven't seen at all. 
yeah, uh, Citizen Ruth was his first kind of breakthrough yeah. with Laura Dern, and that's that's good. It holds up quite well, I think. Uh, worth a look. That's uh, I, I think I want to see that one so much because it's about a, a you know it's a woman's story, where it's all, every single of his other stories are these middle aged white guys going through these you know personal crises. <laughs> that's, that's a good true. point. But let me ask a question: Is <laughs> I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, but like. Is Jim McAllister, Matthew Broderick's character, is he the protagonist and Tracy Flick, Reese, Reese Witherspoon's character, is she the antagonist or is it vice versa? Uh, well, you're right. I mean, they seem to get the it's same a, amount of narration. Like, if they both get, like, their a, point of view. Uh, it's a farce. Know. And it's thanks to the multitude of narratives that that reminds me so much of, like, I mean... I don't want to sound too esoteric, but like fucking like Shakespeare. I mean, you look at something like a comedy of errors or measure for measure, and it's like just this whirlwind of silly characters. There's no antagonist. There's no protagonist. It's just step back, be neutral, and look at all these characters. Watch them go. <laughs> I think that's a really good point. I think that's that a really good a point because Tammy's real strong character, and I would like to talk a great length about Chris Klein <laughs> yes, as yes. Paul. Dear God. Thank you for all your blessings. You've given me so many things like good health, nice parents, a nice truck, and what I'm told is a large penis, and I'm very grateful. But I sure am worried about Tammy. In my heart, I still can't believe she tore down my posters, but sometimes she does get so weird and angry. Please help her be a happier person because she's so smart and sensitive, and I love her so much. Also, I'm nervous about the election tomorrow, and. I guess I want to win it all, but I know that's totally up to you. You'll decide who the best person is, and I'll accept it. And forgive me for my sins, whatever they may be. Amen. Plucked from Obscurity by Alexander Payne. And this oh. is his first role. <laughs> so fucking and, funny. You know, all right, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with you, Mike. I'm a big Reese Witherspoon. I think that she's a great actor, and, and she's her performance in this movie. Like when she, the first seconds we see her on screen, like she just inhabits this character. Like the the nervous smile, the way the eyes flit around the room, even though there's nobody there. Like she is like literally Oscar worthy in this movie. I genuinely think so. But Chris yes. fucking Klein, man, oh, is fucking. so convincing in so this movie good. as possibly the dumbest and best person in world history <laughs> <laughs> and i mean god there's so much to say because what what other movie has like that like the the jock just be this sweetheart just this hapless sweetheart that's all shuck super funny it's not as complex as character of tracy flick so it's no. it's kind of you know easy for chris klein to come in and, and do his thing but what a gem it's laugh out loud hilarious to this day yeah it's not a prototype of your jock thing i i, I would definitely want to cover him more i, I just want to I <laughs> throw out, yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about chris klein in detail in a moment but you know we're covering election we're looking at it from our own critical lens and oh uh, yeah dennis Lim, dennis Lim of the village voice said the film <laughs> never finds a confident tone the film never finds a confident tone now i, I think this is a just a silly critique. What do you mean a confident tone? Like this movie, if anything, is very brazen. This film is extremely confident. So if you're going to, Go what do you think of that? Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. 
Um, I think that also sometimes critics, you know, I mean, like, obviously everyone's opinion is going to be different, fine, whatever. But also sometimes yeah. critics probably feel like I got to find something to critique here. And I don't feel like, that. I mean, I, you know, to show my hand early, I don't feel like there's a ton to be negative about here. Right. That's why that criticism sucks. Now, listen to this criticism from Ross Anthony of the Hollywood Report Card. He says, I felt uncomfortable for nearly the duration of this tremendously well put together piece. So that I can believe that I could totally that be I like, well, okay. yeah, right. That that one makes more sense to me because there is some uh, interesting material that could make certain people feel like, eh, I don't know if I'm down with this. I get that at least. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. But to say that it has no confidence, yeah, get the hell out of here, Dennis Lim. That's it's bogus. absolute horseshit. I mean, <laughs> this is, uh, this is, in my opinion, one of the best satirical films I've ever seen. And with any great satire such as this, you have to be confident or else you're going to look like an absolute putz if you don't, yeah. if you're not completely in control of the wheel. Exactly. Thank you. Confidence is key in satire and parody. I well, it's agree. it's it's because of its neutrality and it's stuff with this in this cynicism and it's not uh, it it it's like an insolvent of sentimentality. So to say that you're not confident to to have an ending where people are just kind of doing okay, you, you, you're going to call that not way. confidence just because that's where the narrative takes you. I want to keep that as a band name for the record. Someone write that down. The insolvence of sentimentality. Thanks for coming out. All right. So let's talk Chris Klein, though. Let's get back to it, Travis. Chris Klein, you alluded to this performance. Give it to me. Unload with both barrels, man. Let's go for it. <laughs> um, well, I... Fuck. All right. Well, you want to fucking have a hot tub or what? <laughs> All right. So that's that's that line, right? That, that, that which I hope that you intersperse in here, that you, know, you put that clip in. Um, that line, that is so funny when he says we we go back to our house to fuck and have a hot tub but it's also like it's so funny because not just because he's saying a hot tub <laughs> like it's a it's a verb it's so but uh, but it's it, like again like it's the genuine sweetness of his delivery like it doesn't and the, the same thing later when he like he's like I, go, I went to a mexican party like this you know like like everything that he says like it's he's so innocent you know and um and I just buy the character, and 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 because he's so kind of oblivious and innocent that when he does things like, like for instance, the scene where it the, the really good scene where you get like this above shot and everybody's praying, like all the all the principals are praying, and then he's the yeah. last one to pray, and he's the last, he's the only one to one like not start off praying about the election, like it's an afterthought for him. He prays for his sister first of all, and then two, like he has faith. He's like, I trust in you to choose the best option. Like you know, whoever's going to be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like he's humble. Like he's so humble. He's the kind of dude that's going to vote for Tracy Flick instead of himself and totally right. throw a monkey wrench into things. But yeah. like he's just like too humble even. And, and this is like the <laughs> biggest jock in the school. Like, um, like he could be a huge dick, but he's just a really good guy. And like. I believe the character. So again, like for someone's first <laughs> performance, I'm I I walked away really like really impressed by yeah. Chris Klein more than yeah. I had been you know, previous <laughs> watches. It's and it's so refreshing because he's he starts out and he's like so existential. He's like, "What? Why do I even exist?" <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> but the the thing I love most about his character, especially as as the story plays out, is he's like. He's like the only character that like doesn't feel he, that he has to change or 
is even that changed by by everything because he's so earnest and because he's so sincere. I mean, he's okay. just himself when he says, let's fucking go in the hot tub. That's just how he feels. He's not trying to win anyone over. He's not doing anything on the animosity. He's just who he is. And that's what he's what's so likable about him. And I think you, but like you bring up a really crucial point there. Like everybody's life is irre- like irrevocably changed by this, right? Like uh, Tammy right. gets to go to a, like she gets to meet the love of her life. Yeah, McAllister has to leave town. Everything went haywire with that damn election, right? But like, <laughs> but Chris, but Chris Klein, or Paul's character, like he descends into what sounds like fuckery. Like he just kind of he go he he rushes for a frat. He parties a lot. His life is, he says, or I could be dead. And maybe that's like them trying to tell us like, um, like that you shouldn't be fucking with people's lives. But also like part of me feels like if he had been the actual school president, maybe he would have actually had a very different course that like would have been uh, better for society than someone like Tracy Flick getting into politics. Like he actually like, like, like someone saw something. Give the white male a chance. Come on. (laughs) Oh my God. Look, he, but he's but he like he's a good spirit. He's a, like he's generally a good soul, and like he could do big things. But by the end of the movie, you don't you're not left thinking that he's going to do big things. Right. That brings up really such a point. that brings up an interesting point for a couple of reasons. Like, I think the most prominent, I think the one worth investigating the most is what does Tracy want to like? What does she glean from winning? I mean, do you get any um, flicker of anything that she's going to do for other people, even if she wins, or is it all just this goal that she's uh, oh, mandated by, by of her own? Inse- of her- yeah, absolutely. Side of her own ego, she thinks it's she wants to help other people, but she's always about her and her and the next move. You know, hey, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. That's what she does. And well, she's, yeah, she's she's a classic overachiever. I mean, she's a single no- child too, right, and right. she's a classic overachiever. And those That's combos about- to get as nasty. It's a nasty combo. <laughs> exactly what I was about to say. There's no mention of the father. And the figure and her, and her mother is the kind of mother that when when tracy flick temporarily loses <laughs> she's like well maybe if you put up more posters or like yeah. had a better speech like and, and it's so revealing in that like one scene that the yeah. mom is actually in yeah, and also like really- told her and then she says that shit all right well right. you know maybe you could have done better but at the same time, her, her mother clearly, and this is like such good screenwriting again, like clearly plays an enormous role in her life because of this great interrogation scene between uh, Broderick and Witherspoon, which I want to get into more. Um, like she, like she falls back on her, like like she's the one that like that, like doesn't back down because she's like my mother is a paralegal secretary, like a fucking secretary, <laughs> like, but but she's so confident in her mother, she's like. That's the, and her and her mother's like strength and abilities and stuff that and it's yeah. just like and then <laughs> she shuts McAllister down. You know, instead of wasting your time interrogating me, we should be out there trying to figure out who did this. Okay, Tracy. Who do you think did it? Whom should we interrogate? Well, I don't know. You know, it could have been anybody. There's a lot of subversive elements here at Carver. Like Rick Thiessen or Kevin Speck in those burnouts. Or what about Tammy Metzler? I mean, her whole thing is being anti-this and anti-that. Tracy, you're a very intelligent girl. You have a lot of admirable qualities. But one day, maybe you'll learn that being smart and doing whatever you need to do to get ahead, and yes, stepping on other people to get there, well, there's a whole lot more to life than that. And in the end, you're only cheating yourself. Why are you lecturing me? This isn't the time or the place to get into it. But there is, for just one example, a certain former colleague of mine who made a very big mistake, a life mistake. 
No, I think the lesson here is that old or young, we all make mistakes. And we have to learn that our actions, all of them, can carry serious consequences. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're referring to, but maybe if certain older, wiser people hadn't acted like such little babies and gotten so mushy, then everything would be okay. I agree. And I also think that certain young and naive people need to thank their lucky stars and be very, very grateful that the entire school didn't find out about certain indiscretions that could have ruined their reputations and their chances to win certain elections. And I think certain older people, like you and your colleague, shouldn't be leching after their students, especially when some of them can't even get their own wives pregnant. And they certainly shouldn't be making slanderous accusations, especially when certain young, naive people's mothers are paralegal secretaries at the city's biggest law firm and have won many successful lawsuits. And if you want to keep questioning me like this, I won't continue without my attorney present. That's what I'm thinking of is those faces when he gets busted and he opens the door with that dumb eye. I mean, the whole, let's go to that. Let's go to the fucking bee. The, yeah. so the fact that he gets his bee sting. What, what was the purpose of this? Is it just thrown in there to make like mm -hmm. the, his face look worse? And you and it just like brings out this uh, awkwardness in every scene henceforth on that last day that it kind of wraps up with I, his firing. Yes, or, I mean, I, or do you I think kind it of see it as I, I think I it's kind of a bit of a feeble and weird attempt to, to have us to show us that he's only looking at thing, everything that's going on with just one eye open as opposed to seeing the big picture. Oh. So like Alexander Payne wanted this physical manifestation of that. That's mm -hmm. the one thing that's, a you know, lame isn't completely sold for me, but it's still funny. Visually. It's I, very I, I'm, funny. I'm going to have to disagree because to me, okay. All right, so the other day I, it was pouring rain here and it was my first day of this new job. And um, it's just like <laughs> torrential rain. I could, I, I'm not used to driving at all, let alone on like long freeway drives. And like, I, it was kind of a scary drive for me. I was really hungry. I stopped to pick up a bacon, uh, egg and cheese bagel. And as I am taking like the last bite, a huge long black hair comes out with it. I'm like trying not to throw up <laughs> and throw it out the window as I'm driving. I'm like, this is going to be the worst day ever. And, but it ended up being okay. My point with this is that like, McAllister is, is is like his day starts off like I'm like I'm finally having sex with this woman I've wanted to have sex with etc. It's gonna be this is gonna be a great day and it ends up being like clearly if not the worst day of his life it's up there and the bee sting in the eye is just such a to me this movie is so believable. There's so many real moments him washing his undercarriage while he like goes to get, get ready at the hotel. Like there's so many fucking believable moments in this movie and that bee sting to me is one of those really believable moments because when it fucking rains. It, pores man and like and he's just like and then his delivery when he gets stung like oh fuck oh fuck <laughs> like people like really immediately realizing like what trouble he's in like it's yeah. just like the icing on the cake of like the perfectly shitty day <laughs> yeah his demeanor changes so much i mean he's the three-time teacher of the year and he's the happy-go-lucky he participates in the school assembly boys and has a good time and then on that day when he's doing the count <laughs> and he does it with Larry and the other kid, he's, well, it's a squeaker, Mr. M. I got to buy a single vote. And he's like, Larry, we're not electing the fucking Pope here. <laughs> he just totally loses all 
all of his sensibilities and his oh, yeah. respectability. He, uh, He'd lost all like um perspective because he was just thinking with his dick, just like his friend yeah. Tim had. And yep. he and he like is running That's around right. town, letting letting his students uh, just be alone as they take a test, just like trusting them to not like <laughs> like cheat or anything. He comes back and doesn't look like any of them have oh, cheated. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to mention that as a former I was so stupid. 48 minutes to go to a hotel room, get you it off that. Up, and leave a whole classroom alone, even yeah. in high school. <laughs> no way in hell that's going to fly unless you had a assistant TA who could watch yeah. it. <laughs> right. I mean, it was that was just so absurd. But yeah, we all I tried, to, I tried to get a coffee while my kids were in music class, and I barely <laughs> made it by about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, we should we should mention real quick that we're all educators in the show, yeah. by the way. Can you uh, tell we're being very careful about how we talk about this uh, <laughs> sexual relationship with the student? Yeah, really oh, yeah. Really well, you know, that. I think uh, we're good. I mean, yeah. I, I want to talk, I, I could talk about this for three hours. I think that's what's the majesty about it. But Matthew Broderick, I mean, I called him just adequate earlier. I mean, he is fucking fantastic in this. Someone's this best role ever. Yeah, opinion. probably and the I best role that. of his career. I agree. Someone, someone once described him as, I think I might have been on the commentary, as being an expert at having like this controlled panic. He's really good at that by being like very like minimal while you can tell his mind is like swarming in a yeah. really subtle and funny way. Um, in, in, the, in, in the scene where like <laughs> you could say, oh, yeah, he's he's consumed by these sexual urges for Tracy or <laughs> or uh, a disdain for what Dave got away with. But it's not so clear like when he's <laughs> when he's watching the. The porn in the basement, like yeah, yeah. kind of looking looks at, at the Pepsi. Pepsi, and he's you know he you don't even know if he's equating it with Coke, like really or not. It's, it may be reminding the audience, but to him, it's just like, why am I feeling like how I'm feeling? It's just like all this weird amalgamation. Well, it does inspire him impulses. to pick Paul, though. That's yeah, the inspiration point. It that does. Is. So that is oh, a big funny. deal. He's staring at that Pepsi. He's like, wait a minute. He's thinking about Tracy saying about the Coke is the Coke. But it's just under the surface. Because... It's not in your face. It's just like, why am I yeah. feeling the way I'm feeling? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't like uh, lay it out exhibition style bit by bit. They give you all the pieces, but then it all just kind of happens. They don't. I like how they don't force feed every single detail. I, I get that. And he does a really good job of expressing that when he's having sex with his wife to try to impregnate her. Fill me up, Jim. Fill me oh, up. Jim. Come oh, on. Geez. It's so it's so mechanical. Fill me up. Oh, yeah. Fill me up. Oh, God. Just like that. Oh, yeah. Fill me up. God. Oh, God. Oh, Just God. Like that. Just like that. Oh, yeah. Do Fuck it, Jim. Do it, Jim. Just like that. Oh, God. Do it, Jim. Fill me up. Just like that. Do it, Mr. M. Do it. Fuck me, Mr. M. Fuck me. Fuck me hard, Mr. McAllister. Harder. Harder. Fuck me, Mr. McAllister. Fuck me hard. Harder. So empty, you know? Their marriage is awful. It's just fucking awful. That brings in another one of the most amazing points of this movie and that again like make it so memorable and real to me is that the voiceover very rarely oh, if ever yes. reflects what's actually happening on the screen like he's like we've never <laughs> yes. been closer and it shows him like eating like of not speaking to one another yeah and, she, and, and tracy flick is like Anything i wrong? really she's right and tracy flick's like i really loved our talks and it shows him fucking you know like <laughs> it's like no like everything that they say is like the opposite of reality yeah. you know it's like oh. these lies that they're telling themselves it's all about this the self-deception <laughs> 
Yes, Great. you can't really rely on the narration for what's happening. That, and I McKee do appreciate that because <laughs> it's not just repeating. That's a great point. You're right. It's not repeating what's going on in front of you. It's showing you the dichotomy and the confusion <laughs> and right. the, the lies that people tell themselves it, it, and the people they love. And, right. and, and they're and all rationalizing. Yeah, and and, and these <laughs> these multiple these multiple narrations. It, it it it's almost like it gives you an ex excuse to be like this the condescending observer yourself because they're all unreliable narrators and <laughs> it's not force feeding you a, a protagonist like we talked about earlier when's the last time you saw a movie that had four narrators and like it did it perfectly and you gave a shit each time they cut to the other one i not narrators necessarily but i will say a movie that this really makes me think of that we've discussed already in detail and, and that's uh the same year Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. Um, this makes me think of Magnolia because of the way it deals with different characters so well, but, but in or even a big story. But it's yeah. also like, it's also something that we talked about when we talked about that episode is that like, it's so easy to make like an explosion epic. It's so easy to make a, like a, like a gritty death epic, but like to, <laughs> to turn, to like make these, like these little, like to make a micro drama like this to like, exactly. the, to, take, to take these like little moments that like maybe seem like bullshit to everybody else outside exactly. the world, but, to, but to like, in these people's lives, it, it's, it, they're huge <laughs> stakes, even though it might yeah. seem laughable to us. Like yeah. that is, and it's, and it's handled with such a plum. It's handled oh. with such skill. Oh. It's handled oh. so well that um it, it just it just makes for a really fine movie and like if i were to sit down and, and like watch those movie back to back i think that'd be really satisfying yeah um yeah. i i think they could even get away with one more narrative do you have any idea who i'm thinking of the janitor the, uh, the um, principal? no the kids who are counting the ballots oh Larry. i think would definitely have a say in what they know or is going on in yeah. this entire election, I think it would be funny for the them end. to sit yeah. back and be like, because they're so sweet themselves. And I it's, I love it when like kids in high school, like high school and movies are like just honest, good people and not these characters. Like these kids are like, no, we didn't count it wrong. The key, Mr. McAllister. Right. Are you okay, Mr. McAllister? Yeah. What happened to your eye? I'm fine. It's just a bee sting. Simple little everyday bee sting. Some people, they get stung, no big deal. Me, I swell up. There's not much time left until late period. I have other things going on too, you know? Yeah, okay. We know. All right, I'll be right back. reach the Novotnys. We're not around, but we'll call you back real soon. Have a nice day. Uh, it's me again. I'm, I'm sorry for all the messages, but, uh, Linda, if I could just hear your voice. If you'd only acknowledge that I... What do you want, Jim? You're there. Yeah, I'm here. Linda, I love you. <sighs> Don't say that. You know it's not true. It's the only true thing I know anymore. We made a mistake. Let's not make it worse. A mistake? That was no mistake. I was lonely. You took advantage. Me? I took advantage of you? 
You hugged me. You kissed me. You're the one who... Hey, Mr. O, big day, huh? Not now, Paul. What have you got? Well, I'm not supposed to tell. Not until you've counted two. We're each supposed to make an independent count. You're kidding, right? Well, I thought those were the rules, Mr. McAllister. If they've changed any way, I can... Larry, we're not electing the fucking Pope here. Just tell me who won. So I, I, I'd even like to hear, like, their side of the story. Like, this is Yeah, bullshit. these are the goody two <laughs> These are the kids that are giving their time to student council and all that, and they believe in democracy, and they've been fed a load of crap. That's a whole side story. But oh, God, I will tell you this, that <laughs> when he... I wanted to... I said it earlier. When he opens that door, Jim McAllister, and he has no idea, he thought... Everything's behind him. He's ready to start his life anew. He wakes up invigorated, takes a shower. He's going to get. And you notice, by the way, and this is I think this is intentional, like his um, his actions and every little thing he's doing is more unhealthy for him. His movie starts with him working out like uh, uh, running oh, okay. yeah. like like he's yeah. at the track. That's how the movie starts with the sprinkler. Good point. And he's he's all right. I'm starting the day. Look at me. I take care of my business. And by the time yes. we get to the, by the time we get to like the shit, the uh, the the eye, the bee sting, and the fucking pick flick cupcakes. That's a he's great just point. Shoving in his face. Yeah. <laughs> so things have gotten worse and worse for him, and I think that's deliberate. But when he opens that door and all those faces, that I just love that. I love that direction. It's simple, but to see yeah. Colin Cass face, Tracy Flick's mom, all the kids' faces. Shot. Yes, over and over, and then they start doing more and more, and multitude, multitude, then it's spinning and spinning, and even the fucking janitor. <laughs> I love how they set that up. <laughs> Jim so brilliant. Jim McAllister's so trying good. to clean out. This, anybody, you guys should know this. You'll know this more. Anybody who's been a fucking teacher, that fridge was so <laughs> realistic. That teacher's lounge fridge was the most realistic teacher's lounge fridge I've ever seen. I've seen that fridge at least three times in multiple different <laughs> I've seen that he janitor was, today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He, that was like Ron Lewis, a little more silent than Ron Lewis. But uh, he was he was trying to do a solid. Jim McAllister was trying to clean the fridge. He's like, all right, I'm going to help out here. I'm going to clean this up. He makes one mistake, and then he makes a mistake later, and it ends up costing him. It's, I think it it's not cheesy to me because it – it makes sense. It's believable. It sense. Again, it's like life can hang on these weirdly contingent moments that don't seem significant when you when you make that tiny choice to maybe not clean up that stuff that you dropped. So while you're thinking, I yeah. cleaned out the fridge. I did a good job here. There's a mess on the floor, but I, I threw out the box, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. So and so can mop it up. And this guy harbors that shit for like a couple of months <laughs> or whatever and is ready to the turn him in. Right, like and like and like and that, that we get that like that quick shot of of like you know that flashback of the be, of the food being thrown on the floor. That, so good. It's to let it really drive it home and let us know this is why it's happening. Had had that not happened, maybe everything would have been fine. The custodian never says a word. Right? He does no <laughs> he words in this speaks. film. Yeah. He just has a face. Hey, here's what we need you to do. We need you to make this face. Can you do it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been doing this face for 25 years. I'm good. Well, no, no, no. But stop speaking, though. Just the face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there. Can you look more like Milton from Office Space? Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a great Milton. Same year. Man, he should have tried yeah. out for that part. I wonder if he, he did. probably did. But yes, so right. the high school, like you said earlier, Eric, it's just like our old high school. This was filmed right around our senior year when we were graduating. Nine, you know, 98. We graduated. June of 98. This well, film was filmed in 98. So it's got a lot of uh, similar parallels. So to me, it does look just like 
just like my our old high school. It really does. The same kind of windows with the doors and everything. Everything the way it's, it's all structured. It reminds me of my old high school. I can take me right back in time. And we even had our own sex scandals at our old school. So <laughs> it makes me Lord think about yeah, a lot of our old plenty. <laughs> Which oh. that that raises an interesting question to me. Do do we think that like this would become a national news story in 1999? Because I don't think it would now. The election I, I, interference is what ends up being the national news story, which is funny. Not the right. kid having sex with the the teacher. Right. Well, that people, weird? Don't, people don't find that out. Like like the press doesn't seem to find that out. But what becomes a, a viral story for 1999 is that a teacher like did this you know, election fraud. Right. Okay. And I don't so think I don't yeah. buy that. That was one of the only things in the movie. I'm just like I just don't think that people would really. I don't that's where they lost you. Story. Yeah. That, that, that's where they lost you. Okay. Yeah, you know. Uh, there's two things here that I wanted to look at because it's been 20 years now. The way viral news goes is completely different. You know, picked right. up on an email. This is still when email was earlier in its infancy. And yeah, that would have happened. Maybe a bulletin board piece. It's so fucking different how much things have changed in 20 years and how news disseminates from these tiny little towns. Right. Omaha is the smaller town. It's not the tiniest town, but it's a smaller town. And and then the other thing is how um, sexual episodes in high schools have become like a normal thing they're, they're like part of pop culture almost in a weird fucking way now and I, I think that's fair to say because it happens or we hear about it way way more than we ever heard about it now and when this happened in 99 in this movie it was right before that brink where things changed and i'm i'm looking at this from a lot of ways personally i i think about columbine i think about uh uh the affairs that teachers and students have and get and it gets out a lot more Everything kind of changed right after when this movie was made. And I think that's what makes this movie kind of in a time uh, in a time capsule. It really does. It's like in a place in time where everything changed right after that. I really see things that way. I'm curious but, at the same, but at the same time, I don't feel like it's dated. Right. Like I feel like no, I feel no. like I'm like like some of the technology and lingo and some, some of that stuff does like her mom jeans that, that Tracy Flick's wearing. But like <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the, it does feel pretty. Um, time relevant at the same time yeah you're right oh. no i agree i i don't think it's dated at all i definitely think this is a relevant and topical and timeless story and the way it's told and how funny it is and all of that but i'm just thinking of some of these details <laughs> and how they are how they're different now they just wouldn't make as much news even necessarily I mean, it might be a local we're, story we're, as we're talking the about story. in 99 if this story hits i mean <sighs> We're talking about this appearing on like Sally Jesse Bayel in like 1990 versus now where it might be on like when you scroll to try to figure out what the weather is going to be like tomorrow and you get like the iPhone news. But <laughs> I mean, like the, the sexual scandals in this are, I think, what opens a huge picture. We haven't gotten into like the whole Dave and Tracy thing. I think that deserves a lot of attention in this conversation nowadays because I don't see that happening in a studio release nowadays without getting way more yeah, attention than this okay. did back then. That's a great point. I yeah. don't think Tracy Flick gets enough appreciation for being this. Uh, I don't want to get too ecclesiastic about this stuff, but the movie has a lot to say about misogyny, uh, and first of all, and a lot of other things that I yeah. did not recognize, you know. I don't see a lot of people recognizing the 1999 and I see Tracy flicks becoming like this, like I maybe iconic finger. Who am I to say, but for, for teenage women, she's been through so much shit. She got sexually abused by this fucking guy. 
I'm not going to sit there and laugh at this fucking guy when he talks about her wet pussy. That's why I hate this scene. There's just so oh, much to say it's fucking, it's in jarring. terms of it's all the scandals you're talking about. The election is like, it's the funny part, but it's it's how we tra- treat Tracy like while watching this that I think is the bigger. So like, why do we dislike Tracy Flick? Oh, there's one more thing about Tracy I think you should know. Her pussy gets so wet, you can't believe it. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I don't want to know that. Or do we dislike Tracy Flick? Yeah, I don't know that I dislike Tracy Flick exactly. Like, okay, like, they're, they're, I don't, okay, I don't dislike. Sorry, that's a big question. No, I, 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 let let me, let me put this to, like, my thoughts real quick. It's obvious that Jim McAllister doesn't like Tracy Flick, but he doesn't like her because she brought down his friend. Right. His reasons for not liking her are not really le- that legitimate. He might focus on some of her behavioral things that are like not they're like nails on chalkboard. Um, but, but like really, he, he, he probably would be fine with her had that not happened with his buddy and bandmate, etc. He doesn't he dislikes her for the wrong reasons. But um, she is not a particularly nice person. I mean, even when you see like you see when she gets uh, very briefly, you see when she becomes uh president of the student council like it shows her like with the gavel yelling like order 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 like yelling at these people the people are dead yeah. silent no one yeah. no one's talking no one's moving yeah. he, she just loves the power and is screaming order or order <laughs> over again and banging that gavel because that's just the kind of thing that she wants to do so she's not a great person but what yeah, happened for, to her is not what she no that's not okay either of course her freshman year at georgetown she seems not be having a good time um i do notice that she's the a fact- kid She's Look, a kid who's worked her ass off. Yeah, but then she also made a mistake. She deserved, she, Travis says that he doesn't like her because of what happened to his friend. But Jim McAllister also knows that she tore down those posters. And now yeah. he might have the intuition because he knows what happened between him and his friend, too. So maybe that gives him like a thought that he wants to believe that she did it. So he goes with that. Now, whether that's legitimate or not, that's fine. I, I won't. I'll concede that point. But she does do it. And then she tries to get away with it. It's a completely bogus thing to do. She and she's lies. so shocked that he thinks it's. Her, yeah. Yeah. It's her audacity <laughs> in the face of being His accused other, yeah. of something that she clearly did. And then the whole. The, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> this is what I was waiting for. This is what I want to talk about. This is the first oh, thing we should be talking oh, about. Over an hour in. In Ennio Morricone's score from Navajo hours. Joe. Oh, wait, what? I mean, that's Ennio Morricone. Yeah.
that is Eddie Oh, are you? Yeah, from Burt Reynolds, Navajo Joe. And I cannot think of a better sound in 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 film history to signify anger and shock and dismay. Like every time, every time we get that sting, that it's just like so piercing. It's so. Perfect. Yeah. I can't believe it hasn't been picked up. And st- I mean, it already is from another movie. But I'm I believe, surprised it hasn't yeah. been picked up. And I believe it happens twice. More. It happens when she yeah. notices Paul Metzler running for president that morning. Yeah. She can't believe it. And then when she's sitting there and, and she's and looking Tammy. under the window and Tammy has the bag open of her torn up <laughs> right. posters. Right. I think there's and then also when she attacks the posters itself, because then we get the full Morricone song. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay. I think that's why I was thinking of Sergio Leone because it's like it's this tiny story, but like this huge yep. operatic bombastic, literally fistful of dollars type <laughs> shit going. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know who, I don't know who did the actual score, but yet like I could just I could just do that all the time and I probably will for like the next month all by myself in my car. You will. I guarantee you will because I've been doing it for uh, last 10 years, all my 30s, I was doing it quite often alone. Well, often quite alone. Um, do you guys <laughs> sympathize with with Tracy, for me, there's so much about her that I yeah, actually sure. can really sympathize with. I mean, she's just it's a not kid. all or nothing. It's not black or white. It, I do sure. sympathize. Yeah. And she got taken advantage of. She's a youngster. It's a child. Yeah. It was te- clearly wrong. And she also did things that were wrong. So everything I take on a case by case basis. And I give her a lot of leeway because she's still a, she's not mature. She thinks she's mature, but she's not. She's still learning right. about life. Yeah, and she's not other than the posters and tearing down the posters. Like I don't think that she's that vindictive. Actually, I think that she tries. You know, she sort of tries to play by the rules more so than McAllister does. Very bitter towards rich people. You know, there's a lot. There seems to be a strong resentment of like people who get a hand to them a silver platter type lifestyle. That came. It comes up a couple times. Oh well, I have that, so I don't judge her. Oh, so do I. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. I love it, but I'm just saying. you're always going to be a little bit uh, disdainful for people who get away with just reciting text as opposed to like having these, you know, personal opinions that have some resonance. Yeah. Just, just, you, just a parrot could do that. We haven't really talked to, we got to wrap this up too, because we've talked this for a while, but we haven't talked about no. Tammy and Metzler enough. I want to talk about Tammy a little bit more. Yeah, um, we do. I need to talk because about first her. off, uh, I love the lesbian angle. This is at a time when this is not just guaranteed. It seems a lot more normal to us now, maybe in mainstream film. But the fact that she uh, is recognized as that, she wants to be that, it's never like, it's never brought up in a way that to me is uh, where it's handled poorly. I, I mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it's also not fake or like kid gloves. Like like she gets down with Lisa, but Lisa's like, you know, I'm not like you. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. a lesbian. I'm not like that. She doesn't. And then she starts sucking her brother's dick, oh my which God. is really yeah, with this face behind me, which is a uh, really bizarre if you think about it. I I never had a sister where I had a gay affair with a dude who I liked who didn't like me, and then he started fucking my sister. So I can't really relate to that experience. So. I told you, I can't. It just doesn't feel right anymore. But I love you. I said no. Hey, Tammy, guess what happened today? 
Don't you fucking knock. Yeah. Oh, hi, Lisa. Get get out, Paul. Listen, so Mr. McAllister he calls me in and he tells me he thinks I, I can... What I do? It's not like I'm a lesbian or anything. I'm attracted to the person. It's just that all the people I've ever been attracted to happen to be girls. Lisa, wait! Stop! What? Where are you going? I'm not like you, okay? What do you mean? I'm not a dyke. And we're not in love. We're just experimenting. I wonder if that must have been really painful for Tammy, but Tammy never seems to show any type of like she's upset. She does oh, no, when he has a fuck in a hot tub. When she has a fuck in a hot tub, she cries, but like she Tammy, wants revenge. Tammy is suicidal. Tammy's straight up suicidal. The whole, the whole. No, I, I can. I, I the, the power, the power station. She, she says, when I'm sad, sometimes I'll sit here and stare yes. at the power station for hours and right. imagine my body if I lay down on these tracks or whatever, and how it would disintegrate. I wonder how it would feel. Yeah, she's right. suicidal. Well, I guess it's a, a lighthearted suicidal uh, offering then, because it doesn't come across to me like it's subtle. But I, I mean, that's what I. It mean. is subtle. Okay. And no, like I, it or I, not, I, it, it like it or not, it goes into her politics. It's it's easy to say she doesn't give a shit and just wants to s- dismantle the student student government, but <laughs> a lot of that's probably undertones of that, you know, disillusion of that. Yeah, she's a and, rebel. Yeah, I absolutely. Love, I love, love, I love her meeting after she gives her it. speech. When she gives her, I would vote for her too. When she gives her speech to the whole probably. school, and then they go back to the principal's office. He's like, "That little bitch." <laughs> this is the principal. <laughs> he's got his two fingers Walt, up. God, yeah. Walt, Walt's pissed. <laughs> just that tiny, just every little bit, tiny little bit with the, this officious principal, where he doesn't even believe the honest kids who know the election's <laughs> been rigged. Says Easy so much. Fouch. I don't like where you're going, school. Fouch. That. Yeah, no shit. Close the door. I tell you, that little bitch made a fool out of us. I want her out of this election. I'm getting everybody all riled up like that. She is washed up. You understand me? She's finished. Well, we can't throw her out of the election just because we don't like her speech. That's not what student government is about. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Look, all I know is she's a troublemaker. She's on my list. All we need to do is send a message. So maybe, uh, we should just suspend her. That's it. Three days. She's suspended for three days. He's great. I forgot his name, too. He's He's been around yeah, a lot. Yeah, he, he did uh, really good. And also the guy that, uh, it was nice to see, um, the guy that that played the parent, the dad from Donnie Darko also yeah, played the yeah. dad. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, his name's, uh, his name's Osborne. Osborne Holt. Holt. Uh, Holmes, Holmes Osborne. Osborne. Yeah, Holmes Osborne. Yeah, Holmes Osborne. I forgot. Uh, and then the, yeah. yeah, and then the guy we're looking for, uh, Phil Reeves, was pl- played the principal. Who? Uh, Walt Hendricks. That's right. Yeah, Phil Reeves. Who's also we, he's a regular <laughs> uh, collaborator of Alexander Payne. About obviously he's in Sideways and about Schmidt as well. And they had yeah. um. So Jessica Campbell plays as Tammy Metzler. She's probably somebody we're not familiar with from a lot of other films. But they originally had um. Yeah. Uh, Thora Birch. Birch. Thora Birch, oh. and she was in. And uh, something happened and she left. So then they just scrambled and found this Jessica Campbell to fill the role. And she actually does a great job. I think she's very even more like authentic 
maybe in a way that yeah she, yeah she's very believably like awkward actual teenager like as, as good as <laughs> and i do think that like witherspoon and klein just so fantastic klein is 20 that's pretty a good age to be playing an 18 year old considering yeah. how they're usually played by 30 year olds um mm -hmm. reese witherspoon is like 23 but she looks young but like uh tammy like i believe that that's a kid she's got braces she dances awkwardly her <laughs> hair is like whatever like she's just like she seems like a real believable kid where do you go when you've been shunned by society? Catholic school, apparently. New York City. <laughs> I love how the oh, New York yeah. City stock footage shows up when he starts his life over. It's this yeah. dumb stock footage from like the 70s of New York City. And it makes me God laugh. I don't know. I could talk. Because so <laughs> remember when Tracy talks about these teachers as these people who aren't going to go on and move to bigger things, never get out yeah. of the small towns. After all this. Matthew Broderick, in my opinion, it's kind of a elegaic uh, ending. It seems like he's doing okay. He's in the big city. He's inspiring <laughs> minute, many different You're people. For his fifteen hundred dollar a month apartment, that's tinier yeah. than hell. Yeah. Who gives a shit about the says, apartment? I'm teaching again. Like, no, yeah, you're not. Not. I, I, I'm not sorry. I don't, the narration, I don't there it is again. The narration life, and what you see on screen are not matching up. It's so funny. That's what's yeah, funny. I see it being pretty okay. I mean, that's that's what I love about it because I see a different thing. I see it being a little bit better for him. Guess what? what? I'm teaching again. There's a pause, and then it shows him with this stupid red flag. It's so funny. But, you but he's obviously the original ending, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they, they made up. Yeah, yeah they stay, didn't like he that. He stays in Omaha. Um, they want I, the conflict i guess yeah they want discourse at the end and you know what i think it i think it's a better ending if the movie had ended with them seeing each other years later and then like just put the past aside that would have been pretty anticlimactic uh and actually the ending as it is is a little anticlimactic yeah 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 it's yeah. kind of just kind of fizzles yeah. out to be honest by the time it ended i'm like oh yeah, okay it's over oh um, unnecessary. like exactly. hey, should just hey life ended and here i am that's it yep. yeah um, but other than that, we should we should probably go around and talk about how much we all think it holds up, huh? I would. Uh, I would Unless you guys have more I to stand. say, you know where I stand. I stand. This is clear. The movie clearly holds up. I chose it. I love it. I'll always love this film. I think it's got so many interesting angles, and everything we've described is it, it just has comedy, but it has honesty, and it has uh, curveballs, and it does, it just keeps yeah. you like interested. It's very entertaining film. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's got depth, reality. Um, it's 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 epic on a small scale. It should be a bigger classic than it is. I do it for being 21 years old. It does come up in conversations. I hear people talk about it out there in the world, but it should be more highly venerated. If you haven't seen it in a while, give it another shot. It is a hell of a good movie. Oh, dude, it it absolutely holds up. I mean, you look at a you look at a film like. I'm I'm kind of glad I got the jump on Rushmore because it came out the year before and thought it was going to be this big and badass new take on high school. Uh, actually, like we might investigate it at some point on the show, but you know, it's 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 more about like either you give a shit about what's going on with that movie or you don't because it's just about the filmmaking. Whereas this has so much to say. I mean, it's it it's so it's so imaginative and it's funny. Uh, and it's smart and it's not uh you know it's not mired and it's uh like it's thematic elements so much that it becomes like this piece that just holds your enter entertainment hostage it's still really really fun but it 
some stuff out there and it's extremely dense um and and i mean when it comes to high school movies think about <laughs> think about what we got like in the 2000s maybe maybe like mean girls but like since election i haven't really seen anything that's blown my top when it comes to getting a look inside what's going on in, in the in these halls in a high school in a long time it's probably easily one of the the top five best high school movies i've seen and that has so much to do with the way Alexander Payne shoots it. I mean, he tells these small stories that should be completely inconsequential as opposed to maybe like the Sally Jesse Raphael story that'll make us laugh. And he makes some of these bombastic epic pieces. It's beautiful satire. <laughs> it's hilarious. The performance is off the chart. We didn't get to talk too much about like uh, how it uh, uh, approaches democracy as an idea. I could talk an hour about that. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much or to say there. Morals. I mean, like, yeah, like all of that <laughs> stuff, ethics yeah. versus morals. But I'm not talking about ethics. Clearly. I'm talking about morals. I, I'm hard pressed to find anything wrong with the goddamn thing. Yeah, it holds up and enthusiastic. It holds up from all at Cinema 9. It's nice to have. Yeah, we bounced back from the game. How about that? All right. That's uh, nice to have. God unity. Damn, that was, that yeah. was a lot of fun. And uh, we will leave the 90s in the rearview mirror with 1999's election. Thank you for. <laughs> checking it out with us uh what did you think do you think we yeah. missed something uh, sure we missed something uh there's a lot going on we didn't even talk about you know he he pretends he's in a sports car so when he's in a good mood driving so much more we can talk so about many dumb the, things that happen so donovan song the, of jennifer juniper coming in <laughs> that whole little scene it's so great yep yep uh, let us know cinema nine pod at protonmail.com cinema nine pod on instagram send us a dm send us a dm on twitter cinema nine pod we're there we're here for you. We stream the show on Twitter and Periscope, and we also give you the podcast that you can listen to anytime, any place. Uh -huh. Let's give. Oh, it's very sweet, very emotional. Let's move into our quarantine viewing picks. It's that time. Yes, there's still a pandemic going on. A lot of you go to work every day with real people, but there is a pandemic going on. So some of you on the show may go to work every day and hang with, out with, with human real beings. human people. We put masks on and pretend like it's going to somehow save our lives. That's <laughs> and maybe it will. I, I, man, apparently that's man, the plan. I don't still know. Alive. You're still alive. Way, I got to I got to get rent money so I can but, not live with my dad's. So, <laughs> uh, so it's been a busy week for me. I watched three movies, including Election. Um, wow. Yeah, this is a, a first for me. I've gone from watching like literally over 30 movies a week <laughs> uh, at times to three movies. I watched Moving from 1988 with Richard Pryor as I continue my quest to see all Richard Pryor movies. I wouldn't recommend that one necessarily. Oh. I, revisited, I revisited Darkman from 1990, which... I, uh, it, it's, damn it, it's still a pretty good movie, man. Um, for being 30 years old, you know, um, it's still like very imaginative and it's, it, I, I can't believe I never really realized at the time that it's a superhero movie, but it clearly is a superhero movie. And I, and that's part of the appeal for me, apparently. I, I wish I'd noticed that. And then of course I watched election. And then last but not least, I did watch a little bit more than just three movies. Um, since this podcast started, I have not started and finished. I, I started one episode of Space Force, but didn't finish it. I've not watched any television. I just that's a haven't. show, not a movie. What Space Force? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a TV show on Netflix. Oh, yeah. that was a movie. But yeah. I've got like halfway through it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Um, and then I set that one down. But like, uh, and I thought that maybe Dead to Me would would bring me back in, and or I thought that you know the whole Lovecraft new TV show would bring me back in. I'll watch those eventually. But the one that got me back in uh was uh, uh uh 
the boys on Amazon Prime, man. Uh, the boys season two is up, and yeah, season one was so good. So I've started season two. I'm like, I've watched the first two episodes, and it's already off to a great start. Just such dynamic and uh, and inventive uh, filmmaking. Such a great twist on uh, what a lot of people think is a getting to be a tired genre. And these guys are like, no, there's still so much more meat on the bone. Uh, so I'm happy to be watching boys season two. Yeah, I'm hearing uh really good things about heard of really good things about it last year and now it's cashing in and it's taking a different approach which seems obvious seems yeah. overdue and <laughs> it's been i'm sure it's been done in uh different realms but maybe not as in mainstream areas so i'm glad that it's getting its run and it's something i should watch i i would like to watch that i would watch it it's good, it's good. uh eric Bradshaw, we know you have some films uh, what'd you watch this week well I watched Never Been Kissed and 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> so Ange has been picking the movies. Yeah. Double feature. I had a feeling. Yeah. It's been a weird week. But, uh, I mean, look, I enjoyed both of them. Okay. Yeah, who we They're right? fun. Remember the 90s? Ange brought it up. But remember the 90s when, like, there kept being, like, these Shakespeare movies disguised yeah. as, like, teen comedies? Othello. And She's All Bad, I think, was yeah. one too. Oh, remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Josh Hartnett. Ten yeah. things I hate about you. Came in the shrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I watched Coneheads. I'd never seen Coneheads before. What? Like, it came on. I was like, who gives a fuck about Coneheads? It's funny. It's really well directed by <laughs> Steve. I love Coneheads. Did uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original from 1990. The direction's yeah. really good. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just so weird to think about Coneheads having really good direction. But I watched... <laughs> Uh, it sounds like an afterthought, but it, I posted on Instagram that I watched Bill and Ted 3, and it's like so forgettable, so just so dead on arrival. The direction, it might as well have been shot by like a security cam. Like it's, 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 a, it's just pointed at the actors and they're saying the lines. Whereas something like Coneheads is like, it's so dumb to say, but like every shot is really interesting. If you get a chance to watch it again, it's on all the platforms now for some reason, but. It's just really imaginatively made, and I was surprised. Um, my my favorite of the week was I took a look at the Indian Runner from 1991, Sean Penn's first film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you I think? Seen this? Yeah, I've seen never it? seen it. It was uh, okay. It's kind of a chore to sit through. It's a slow burn, a little bit, but it's really it's gorgeous. It's really beautiful acting by Viggo Mortensen and David Morse. Yeah, Arquette. And based on a Bruce Springsteen song. Based on really a Bruce cool. Springsteen song. That, I was just blown away by this soulful, beautiful performance by Beagle Mortensen. So that was my uh, top pick. That's a good movie. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. David Morse Viggo. is always great, too. Vigo! David Morse. Yeah. David Morse. Vigo! The, uh, the Crossing Guard. That was yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a good one. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I watched a fair amount of movies this week. I was. Uh, I actually, it's uh, funny you mentioned, Eric. I did. I watched uh, TMNT 1990 some reason. So <laughs> funny you mentioned that. Uh, Jack Black and Sam Rockwell's own, right? I love it. I love that movie. I just wish they hadn't pussied out and kowtowed to the fucking Catholic groups and the parents' bullshit advocacy groups and ruined the second one because the first second, one was second dark. One's, second one's crap. Oh, it's trash. It's fucking garbage. And you know what? I just really want to give respect to the effort that Jim Henson and everybody put in on that first one. Cause those suits and the way they look, it's awesome. They got like these smiles, like full teeth. It looks great. It really does. And it holds up, man. So kudos to them. 
respect will be given to that. And I just think so good. It is. It it's it's so dark and like you connect with Eternals. I mean, you connect with them because they're there. You could walk up to them and touch them. That yes. t- that speaks volumes. You want to talk about special effects? Practical, practical, practical. We're, we're all about the practical so much effects. more. They can be they can be they can be like uh, bolstered with CGI, I think. Yeah. But you gotta have you gotta have a, a, a practical foundation. I Goteas, Casey Jones, so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, they yeah. throw they throw Shredder off a roof and they crush him in a garbage <laughs> fucking truck. That is That's dark. a joke. Yep. <laughs> Oops. I mean, wow. So That's, I like that, but that is a powerful dark, story. Like. There's a story about like the brothers and their relationship and Raph's pissed at Leo and Leo's pissed at Raph and there's right. pathos there. And we're talking about some fucking dumb mutant turtles. That's right. There's pork rinds there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pork rinds? Corey Feldman pork is rinds. Donatello, bro. Yeah. Corey Feldman, man. One of the greatest actors, most underrated actors of our generation. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, so then I went <clears> on this. <throat> I, went, I went on this. Um, huh. It's kind of financial what? meltdown oh. run of watching movies like, you watch like Big that, Short or something. Remember, no, I've I've been there, done that. Uh, I went farther call. back. More money. Uh, margin call. That's correct. I watched Margin oh. Call, 2011's film by J.C. Kander, uh, who was the son <laughs> of a former Merrill Lynch senior executive. So he had oh. a lot of inside knowledge from his father, and I have to say that. I had watched this movie once and I just kind of forgot about it, but I watched it again. And <laughs> yes, uh, one of the main characters is Kevin Spacey. Yes, it's uh, true. It's true. Um, Big producer. If you can get past that, um, Zachary Quinto uh, <laughs> is really good in this. He produced it. He, yeah. he had his own little production house behind this. And, yeah. Uh, this was after the first Star Trek, so he probably had a bunch of money and he was excited. And uh, he does a great job being like this kind of. This analyst who's just kind of stumbling upon it. And Stanley Tucci's in it. He starts it all the off. Tooch. So that's awesome. The Having tooch. the Tucci in the house is great. And the cast is fantastic. And this is actually one of the best, like, Wall Street type movies ever. Better than the Flash that you see with, like, Boiler Room or <laughs> uh, even Wall Street. You know, Wall St- I love Wall Street. I, I've always loved Wall Street. But like, Money Never Sleeps? Yeah. You're talking about Money Never Sleeps? <laughs> Of course, that's superior <laughs> to the original. That's why they did a second one, Travis. Come on. Um, margin call is understated, and it almost shows in a really honest way that makes it. This was makes it more scary and relevant to me. How um, just protecting the corporation with their decisions, and not in a, like a dramatic way. They're just having like really kind of calm. I mean, a little bit of heated discussions on a few things. So they're having like this 24-hour period where they're panicking on a decision to dump all these assets or not. And it shows you that corporate governance and these people in these worlds, they're not like they're not like uh, villains like Gordon Gecko necessarily or anything like that. They're it's just a series of people continuing to make choices. Like right. like Stanley Tucci gets let go in the beginning of the film. It's not a secret. He gets fired, and that's what starts this process. And he gets fired by Demi Moore, who's a big wig. And by the end of the movie, they're both <laughs> they're both in this room stuck together, fired together. No, oh, but they well. have nothing to do except just be hidden in this room together because they can't be like revealed to society. They can't have their secrets revealed for the day. So they just sit there, even though he's the person that just fired him. And they both had the same intentions and they both ended up in the same spot. I know I thought it was um really thought provoking. And I really was surprised how much Jeremy Irons could just like 
grab my attention. I give him a lot of credit. I love Jeremy Irons. Oh, he's so good. He's so, so good. good. He really is, man. He's him just... and the Watchmen was unreal, dude. Just unreal. Yes. Yes. That was yeah, good call, man. Unreal. Jeremy Irons. Like, like he's even like, I mean, like he's yeah, he's I'm sorry, go ahead. But yeah, he's no. No, he commands a fucking room, man. He as does. soon as he walks in. And you know, if you go back even to old school, like reversal of Fortune, Dead Ringers. Like, Dead Ringers is so Dead... fucking awesome. I never saw dude, Dead Die Ringers. Hard with a Vengeance. I love that was the best one. I used I used to think it was the best Oop. one. I may have to revisit. Dying it. and sick. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he was an asshole. Yes, you you got his number. <laughs> um, All right, um, let's keep going here. So yeah, so that was margin call was really really good. And then Such I a watched Mike I, movie. <laughs> it, is it? Yeah, I had yeah, we had it on laser disc. That. My dad's in 1999. Laser disc. I watched Die Hard three like 50 <laughs> times that year. I, I remember but, that. Yeah, it was a big deal. <laughs> uh, and then I watched uh, Inside Job. So I'd never seen the documentary itself. I know oh. everything about the financial crisis, but I'd never actually seen Inside Job, which was like one of the big Oscar winners of that year. Matt Damon uh, narrated and uh, basically breaks down everything that you would see or know about from all these other films like The Big Short or uh, Too Big to Fail or even Margin Call in a sense. So uh, I was glad I watched it. It was I was into it. It was interesting. Um, what about Fun with Dick and Jane? You know, I haven't seen that one recently, uh, and uh, I really need to revisit bad. it because it's been 15 <laughs> years. And, you know, I would like to see how much our society's changed 15 years since Dick and Jane changed the world. It's a remake, so it can be remade again. It was that was actually there was one before that with Jane Fonda and I think Alan Arkin or somebody. Oh, remember when Alan Arkin was terribly miscast in Gattaca? Oh, remember when we talked about Paul Shader? Paul Shader. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, everybody. I'm your detective for the evening. Yeah, oh, like, Jesus. So stupid. Why? Why? It doesn't make sense. Anyways, uh, yeah, so Inside Job's fine if you want to watch a documentary. But it has been 10 years since that movie came out, and the global crisis has been 10 to 12 years. And I just thought it was interesting to take a look at how things have changed or even more depressingly, how nothing has changed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so Anyways, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. And then... Uh, yeah, I watched something else too, but whatever. I, I couldn't get Heaven's Gate in. Uh, you, you know, you, <laughs> Come on, you should have told me Heaven's Gate like three days ago. Would have I definitely would have watched. We're, we're it, telling you now. We'll Heaven's, Gate, Heaven's, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. I think I'm definitely gonna be able to pull it off now that I'm watching more movies again. So uh, yeah. Um, oh, I also watched. Yeah, that's what it was. I watched uh, Walk the Line because I want. I got excited oh, about oh, election, okay. yeah. and I yeah. immediately went to Reese Witherspoon and watched Fun that movie. Again, so. She's she's so good. Oh, yeah. and I watched. And I'll admit this freely. <laughs> I watched. I don't know if I'm recommending these, but I watched them. Uh, uh, I watched. Uh, He's just not that into you. <laughs> uh, it's kind of an ensemble piece, right? Like uh, big. It was the first one of those yeah, Valentine's Day, New yeah. Year's Eve things. They did yeah. it, and it was a success. And they're like, "Oh, let's try it with all these other things," and none of them yep. worked. I think it had like Bradley Cooper in it. Yeah, it had like a lot of early big stars. Bradley Cooper, ben but not memorable. Jennifer not Aniston, Jennifer Connelly, uh, 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 Drew Barrymore. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on and yeah. on. Uh, Scarlett like, Johansson. It just keeps going. Scarlett, who? It sounds like. Um, it, it sounds like uh, Valentine's Valentine's Day. Yeah, but like just a completely unmemorable. Trash. This Gary Ross this trash. The first, yeah, no, this was the first one though. So, and it actually did well at the box office. And it was based on a book by that dumb shit. Uh, he had a TV show for a while. He was like a daytime talk show. Greg something. Shit uh, my dad says or whatever. Yeah, Greg shit group? my dad says. Exactly. Oh, okay. I actually, and for the record, I actually saw this film in the fucking theater. I did. What? So uh, 2009, I saw He's Just Not That Into You with a girl from, oh, okay. from Craigslist. Yes. Craigslist Personals. Craigslist, Craigslist personal. to the best. 
That was my only Craigslist date that I can remember. So there you have it. That's what I've been watching, going back in time and uh, having a good old time. Thank you for the films that bring us such joy and pleasure. <laughs> There's so many more films to watch and see, and all the ones that you guys have recommended on this show, by the way. Uh, I have a lot to watch because I started, I went back on all your, I mean, you've been recommending movies for 20 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so, have you watched it? It's anything? so weird how <laughs> no, like, I need to. our show is like, we'll talk about something and it will literally like pop up and my streaming feed, like out of nowhere. And I'll and, like, I'll be watching the movie we just talked about. Like last week, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> you were saying? <laughs> wow. But next week, we got a doozy. Okay, yeah. So uh, let's wrap up the show. Uh, next week, we have a special guest. So we're having a guest host. Uh, we'll all be here, but we're having a fourth. And then uh, after that, we'll do listener's choice. But next week, we've got the one and only Take It Away. And we're not doing listener's choice the week after that. I thought we were going back to the regular rotation and then doing listener's choice. I thought we were. Oh, well, then I completely misunderstood that. I thought we were. We'll doing figure it. it out. We'll figure it out. Just uh, maybe we'll just all twelve of you listening. Please continue we'll to be patient. We'll reruns for a couple of weeks. You know, <laughs> no, had, gonna... wins pilot season and wins like summer. <laughs> we're definitely not going to do that. <laughs> no, uh, go ahead, Eric. You have the floor. Tell us what's going on. So Angela is our special guest next week, and Angela, Angela. Yeah. So it's it's double the audio issues over. <laughs> hey, all right, even better. <laughs> so, is there a uh, local, like a uh, public studio? Like, record right this at fucking Burger King. <laughs> Take their free Wi-Fi. <laughs> but, to, uh, yeah, could you go to like uh, uh, Dave and Buster's? They have like a studio in there or something. I guess we'll try. But uh, <laughs> yo, know, she told me her pick last night, and I'm actually really excited because it's going to give us a chance to talk about. Uh, Peter Weir. Uh, we're going to oh, stay boy. in the realm of we're academia. Going. We're going to stay in the 90s. Oh, we're going to have a chance to talk it. about Ethan Hawke. All right. Yeah. So she picked Dead Poets Society. <laughs> and we can talk about the great Robin Williams. A, a, a straight up boo from, from the Bill 90s. Game. That's an 89 film that's, for the yeah, record. That's the 80s. Um, for the record. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I, I can always talk Robin Williams, and I haven't watched that movie in a long time, and I actually like have access to it, but have deliberately not watched it because I kept on thinking, I feel like this is going to show up on the show soon. So <laughs> I just, yeah, I literally kept thinking that, so I haven't watched it. So, uh, Do you know, I've never actually, I've never actually, I've never, watched never, I've never seen it. I was what the like, fuck are you booing it for then? Because I know about it. I know all the stories. Oh, Captain, my Captain, you know, it's already, oh, yeah, Captain, my Captain. Out. Yep. Yeah, someone stands on a desk, so don't bother watching the movie. You know 12 seconds from the rest of it. Yep. That's <laughs> all I know. It's been parodied on Family Guys. They already know what it is. You never know, right. man. I, I, know, I honestly don't. I'm, I'm curious because I don't I don't know if this is going to hold it, up or not. It so, could be so. a born on the 4th of July situation. You think it's just like the cheese with the guy waving the American flag turns into an absolute masterpiece. I'm oh, but part. that movie's trash, you know. So oh, It's so good. <laughs> Made by Albert Stone, though. So, so oh, yeah, right. genius. You know your opinion politically on and artistically the man the man anyways all right we're this is officially the longest fucking episode i think we've ever done so let's wind it up eight minutes we've definitely gone over an hour have we of course you can probably magnolia used to blow it out of water so yeah that's true we used to go hour 40 easy all right so (laughs) we'll do it then dead poet society i'm looking forward to it i will watch it and thank you angela excellent choice look forward to having you on the show angela you're a good human being you're funny and uh i think you guys are gonna like her for those of you who don't know She's a good person. So okay. next week, then, 
Yeah, you're you're a fan. So. All right, so that'll do it. Uh, I'm Mike Govier. Check us out. Cinnamon iPod, Cinnamon iPod, FullTownMail.com, Cinnamon iPod. DM us on Instagrams and Twitter. And <laughs> if you ever get nervous, take a Navajo Joe. Take a breath and just let it all out like that. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.